to the right buyer, it makes a lot of sense. You don't know their exit strategy. I, I am paying a premium for it, but you know, I don't care. You know, equity comes, equity goes, but cash always flows. Guys, I am super excited to be sitting down again with Chris Allen. Chris, awesome to be here. This is your third interview here on the channel. And yes. I just love sitting down and talking with you because every time I sit down with you and talk with you, I'm just I'm just so amazed at the progress you make. Yeah. And it was funny, we were joking before we turned the camera on. Uh, when you did your first deal, yep. it was virtual in Indianapolis. Yes, it was. You sent me a screenshot like, hey, here's my first wholesale deals a couple of years ago. And it was like a $4,000 deal. Yeah, it was a $4,000 check. <laughs> yeah. And it was an agent deal, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The double dip. Yeah. And now you just did an $81,000 deal. And yep. It was a listing it on was a, a luxury. A, it was a luxury listing here in Utah. Yeah. yeah. I mean... And for eighty one thousand and some change, yeah, yeah, it, it was it was all in the follow up. Isn't that crazy? It, it's it's crazy how simple it is. You know, the steps don't really change, even on the small deals compared to the big deals. You know, it's just staying consistent. Like I said in that first video, you know, that's what I love about you, Chris, is you just simplify things. And you, I remember asking you in one of the previous videos. We'll put the links below. You got to watch them because you can see Chris go from you know, kind of this new investor to now, man, I'm really got some traction and, and you can kind of see the progress. But one thing that I'll never forget just stuck out with me so much is you're like, yeah, I just, once I get myself there, I do my calls, I'm consistent, I follow up and I get deals. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, wow, it really is that easy. Well, Not and, easy, but that's simple. I still follow the same formula, you know, five days a week. I try to get 20 contacts a day um, and at least set three appointments a week. And go on one. And that usually turns out to a couple closings a month. Just like it, that. It's really not that complicated. <laughs> and as you've gained experience, you've kind of gone up in some price points. Price points and different types of tactics that um, deals maybe I would have thrown out in the past. I, uh, I have figured out ways to make them, them work. Yeah. Like this listing, this is a, what was it? A three and a half million dollar? Yeah, it was, a, it was a three and a half million dollar property. And obviously that's not a, not a cash deal, but it, it's somebody who wants to, to buy or sell real estate. And it just happened to be at a, a luxury price point. Yeah. And, and Chris is, uh, we're part of the same brokerage, real brokerage. Real broker. Yeah. And I love real. And for the same reasons you do, not only can it facilitate your brokerage needs, if you're licensed, like yeah. I am. And if you guys follow me, you know that I'm a real big proponent of having a real estate license as an investor. Absolutely. Just open so many more doors. And you actually take that model to a whole new level yeah. where it's actually a main main part of your income strategies. Absolutely. Our yeah. listings. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's just another avenue um, to generate revenue, right? Like mm -hmm. you just have to have the different tools in your tool belt. Every time you approach a lead, you want to be able to capitalize on that. Yeah, and I wanted to talk to you specifically about that. So when you when you do your calls and you do your lead generation, you do your marketing, you get on the phone and a and a lead comes in, right? And mm -hmm. the and the you know, the initial question is always one way or another, it's always, you know, do you want to sell your house? Yeah. And then from that question, depending on that specific seller's needs, motivation, yeah. things going on in their life. You look at the business and say, okay, well, I've got multiple ways where I could help this seller. Yeah. What's the right one that fits 
their needs mm-hmm. that I can actually help them and make money too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think the big approach and I, I always am a firm believer of trying to do what's best for them if I was in their shoes and what's going to be the best fit. So, you know, somebody who might um, have a paid off property um, and might not need that cash right away, that could be a good opportunity for, for somebody who would be um, seller financing or somebody who's really low equity and they might not be able to to afford paying realtors to sell their property and they have a good interest rate, that could be a subject too. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, the typical beater property, that would be a great wholesale deal or a flip. So it's just really understanding what their situation is and how, with my experience, I can help them. Or maybe there's no motivation and they want the highest price the market will pay. Exactly. There's a you listing. And I would say a majority of the time, that's still going to be the outcome for most sellers. But, yeah. you know, every once in a while, you might find one that fits into those other buckets, right? Yeah. yeah. So your approach is, do you go first approach listing and then plan B? Maybe, oh, you know what? This this looks like a deal where maybe it's a subject to or a seller finance or low cash to solve your problem? Yeah, I think as of late, um, contrary to a lot of other investors, and it's just my business model, um, I usually try to go for the listing approach um, or just setting that appointment and getting there. And really then they um, open up about their situation. Um, It really just depends on each individual person. But I would say most of the time, listing the property is the best fit for the largest group of sellers. I mean, that's going to be 95% of sellers, depending on how you market. But people who want more, most people want to sell their house. They don't need to sell their house. Mm -hmm. So in the wholesale business, we're always looking for that 5%, right? Yeah. Who needs to sell. In a desperate situation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of my marketing, because I target a lot of high equity lists, because I I really want to personally go after seller finance deals, because I have also um, had a lot of success wholesaling seller financing deals, structuring those packages up to be really appealing for a a buy and hold investor. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times you'll end up finding people who don't have a ton of motivation, but they do want to sell their property and listing is a good fit. Yeah, love that. So, so tell me about that. Um, you like to go on appointment, right? You're in a mm-hmm. local market yep. and you like to go on appointment. Why is that so much more effective than on the phone, trying to close on the phone? For me, um, in terms of if I am going to be listing the property, since that is one of my, my revenue streams, uh, I found that a lot of times sellers want to know their realtor. They want to see them, know that they're a real person and you can build that trust um, but I've had just personally better success closing direct to seller in person. Doesn't mean it's not possible virtually. Sure. I've done that a ton. Um, however, with my conversion ratios, just being in front of the person, letting them know that I'm a real human being, not a robot. Um, I've had a lot better success closing deals like that. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And tell everybody again, if this is the first time they've heard from you, you got started how long ago was it? Two, two, three years now? So it's it's been three years three now. Years. I, I started while I was still swimming in college. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, full-time swimmer on a scholarship. Yeah. Full time wholesaling virtually in Indianapolis. Yeah. Full-time yeah. division one athlete. And I <laughs> and I, I still managed to to sling some deals virtually. And to my point, those I never met those people, right? So yeah. it certainly is possible to do it, not ever meeting the seller. It's funny because I you don't know how often I use you as an example because I'll hear all the time people say, 
all the reasons why they can't. Yeah. I don't have time or I've got these other obligations or my job or this and that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I know this this scholarship swimmer <laughs> on a full, and you were taking full-time class too. Oh yeah. I mean, I was at least 50, 60 hours a week dedicated to school and swim at that point. And you were doing, I mean, I think at the time you had done six or eight or, yeah. I mean, you were, you were doing a few deals a month. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was at that point, I was averaging about one a month consistently. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, so I think it's possible for anyone. And I still, to the, to this day, I was doing a lot of agent outreach then. Yeah. That's still a huge strategy of mine because now I have the credibility that other agents can see that I'm an agent who produces. And I go after these deals directly to other agents as well. So that's still a leg of my business is agent outreach. Um, I just now do it locally a lot more. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And what's the business look like for you? Would you say if you were to break up your deal flow between straight wholesales? Well, I guess you you also wholesale creatives, but between wholesale, you're starting to keep a few properties. I saw on your Instagram, you got this beautiful building and was it Highland? Uh, American Fork. American Fork. Yeah. That you're that was a subject too that you're keeping. Yes. So yeah, now you're is. building a portfolio. What's the mix do you think, you know, roughly between your holds, your wholesales, and your list? I would say I'm about 60% list, okay. 40% assigning. And then I keep the really, really good ones. So now I have a little bit over two million dollars worth of real estate that I check I it own. out. And now I've gotten to the point where that one I purchased, um, because I knew I was going to have some taxes to pay this year. And, yeah. <laughs> and it, it made sense. And that helped me a lot with my tax bill. Yeah. Yeah. Because now you're taking advantage of those write-offs. Yeah. The depreciation and the interest I could write off. So so tell me that deal. Real real broad numbers. It was subject to, but like what what was your entry fee to get in? Yeah. So, so this was, cash flow. it was on the market. Um, it was 10% down, but since I'm an agent, I credited my commission. So I actually only had to come in with 7% um, because they were offering a 3% buyer agent commission. Um, my monthly payment every month that I'm taking over is $16.50 a month. And I just got it rented in my first pay, um, first security deposit and first rent payment for $28.50 a month. So I'll be making about $800 a month no. after everything. Yeah. Net. And net. and then what rate did you buy into on so that sub too? I was a 3% interest rate. 3% rate. Look at that, right? 3%. Yeah. And I, the way I see it, uh, that just pays another one of my bills. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and it's also saving me a ton of money on my taxes. And your entry fee then, it wasn't a distress for like there were arrears that needed paid. It was, it was just it was just a down payment to the seller and commission for the seller's agent. Okay. So yeah. your total cash after your commission credit, how much cash did you bring into that? Um, 36,000. Okay. 36,000 was my entry fee. And oh. I could have sold it for a hundred oh. if oh, I wanted yeah. to. I, I had offers too. I was going to actually potentially wrap it. So let me do the math real quick on your, maybe you know it right off the top of your head, your cash on cash. I'm at about 22%. Yeah. So guys, because he brought thirty-six thousand to the table to get into the deal, but now it's creating eight hundred a month in cash flow. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a phenomenal re- cash on cash. Yeah, return. and that's before really calculating even appreciation or depreciation into the total return. That's just yeah. my straight cash on cash. And that home's beautiful. It's like a brand new house. Yeah, it is. Brand, a brand new it house. is a brand new house essentially. Yeah. Was it? Uh, do you remember? Was it a, a relocation or why are they selling so soon? Yeah, the uh, the seller was in the military and they just had to go. Yeah, 
they just had to go and, you know, they didn't have a ton of equity and I was, I, I am paying a premium for it, yeah. but you know, I don't care. You know, equity comes, equity goes, but cash always flows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't even, you, that doesn't even matter. It's the asset itself. It's the asset itself. And I think the interest rate is its oh. own asset. Yeah. It's really interesting. I was working with uh, one of my students and, and one of my partners now, Brian, he's a 18 year old. So he reminds me a lot of you, just a real go-getter. And uh, we did this live stream and he was on the phone and he did this agent pitch on a sub two. Yeah. And the numbers did not pencil very well. Like yeah. it didn't really cash flow. Uh-huh. But the rate was like, do you remember Tyler? It was like 2.8 or something uh-huh. mm-hmm. fixed. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, this deal, I don't think I'll be able to uh, to wholesale this deal. And I said, I guarantee you. You would be shocked. Someone's going to want that deal for the rate. Yep. They won't even care about cash flow. It'll negative cash flow and they'll want it. Oh, yeah. And he did. He went and wholesaled it. He's yeah. Like, he's like, he texts me later. He's like, dude, that's so true. That deal was hot. You know? Oh, <laughs> I mean, the amount of negative cash flow deals that had really good rates that I've been able to sell here in Utah is astounding. You would never think so. But, you know, to the right buyer, it makes a lot of sense. You don't know their exit strategy, right. you know. So I found a lot of success, especially in this higher rate environment, um, assigning creative deals. You know, that's kind of how I've shifted in my investing business. So I kind of have a rule. Tell me if you have one or if you just put it out and see what it, the market does. But I kind of feel like uh, one rule I try to follow is when you look at the cash flow, every $100 per month in cash flow can get about two grand in assignment. Yeah. Uh, for me, yeah, I would say that might probably even be higher. Accurate. Yeah. I, I shoot to sell deals that are, are close to a 10% cash on cash return. And I have actually one just really, really good buyer who buys my break even ones and he just wraps them. That's all he does. So he resells them on a wrap. He resells them on a wrap, but he buys every single one of them. So in that relationship has been built just through networking. And I know that it's this guy's niche. So anytime I have a break even one, I, I hit him up. So you guys catch that. So if he's got a, if he's got a creative deal where after you net it all out, it breaks even, meaning he's going to make zero in monthly cash flow. He doesn't, his buyer doesn't care because what he's going to do is he's going to turn around and resell that subject to deal yep. at a higher price. And he's going to wrap the difference between the underlying existing loan and a higher price. Exactly. With a higher rate. So now he creates cash flow where there wasn't yeah, before. He, just, he now becomes the bank. He just yeah. gets pure interest. He doesn't have to worry about repairs, maintenance, all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. he, so ha- that's his niche. And I know anytime I have a deal that fits that criteria, that's that's this guy's. Yeah. So, I mean, like a zero cash flow deal for most people watching this, they would think no one's going to want that deal. It doesn't make any money. Well, you just have to understand there are certain buyers and investors in the market that will want that deal. For sure. And and this kind of just brings us back to our point of just understanding um, one, the person you're working with or who you're trying to buy and also what tools fit that that particular deal and who's going to buy that deal. Yeah. Yeah, really understanding that. Well, you know, Chris, I, I'm just amazed at your success. I love how you're, you've been able to just take these multiple different ways of putting deals together and allow that to really just blow up your business. Yeah, yeah. It, it's It's been a really good adjustment, but I, I found that the more I educate myself, the more opportunities arise. Yeah, and tell me if it's changed, but what, what do you think is your 
what's Chris Allen's superpower? Like what makes you so special that in three short years, you're able to do so well in this business? What, what do you think you would give it to? I think it's just taking a lot of imperfect action, mm. you know, and people say that all the time, mm-hmm. but as soon as like I hear something new, I'm like, oh, I should go try that. <laughs> like, I feel like I've tried a lot of things, but what it's done is it's educated me in areas that maybe people have so much analysis paralysis, they don't ever actually do anything. Yes. I, I just, I send it. I, I try a lot of things and some things don't work, but you know, the ones that do, it's a new tool that I could add in my tool belt, you know? Yeah. That's a great attitude to have about it. I mean, if you think about it, um, being willing to just try things, even though it might not work, that's going to create an, an, a situation for you where even if like one out of 10 ideas, yeah. one of those stick, mm-hmm. it can be huge. And the ones that don't stick, you're going to learn from that anyway. Yeah. Like I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I know. Now I know. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's been huge is just being willing to one, educate yourself and try new things that make you feel uncomfortable, or maybe you don't understand the process fully, but how are you going to learn until you try, you know, growth is not in knowing it's in doing, you know, you don't actually, you don't actually know something until you do it, even if you conceptually. So, I mean, I mean, stop being a consumer and be a doer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I, I totally agree. You know, it's interesting. Last time you said, uh, can, just being consistent was yeah. like the, the thing that you would attribute your success to. And so I like that, that this time you're saying, you know, being willing to, to constantly to learn and then adapt, learn yeah. and then implement, learn and then implement. Is- yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's been huge. I mean, even on the retail side of things, me selling houses, just making myself a little bit uncomfortable and learning these creative finance strategies Typically, listings that would have sat on the market for ages, I've been able to move much sooner than they would have with a traditional buyer because now you're adding that value to the marketplace of, oh, this person doesn't need two years of income. And you can kind of create the terms that might fit that potential buyer. Yeah. So even if I'm not keeping it, I can still help my sellers move their properties quicker by knowing this stuff. Totally. Yep. So guys, by the way, if you have a real estate license and you want to to you know, use that in a higher capacity, be sure to check out, I'll put a link below where you can check out how to join, you know, my team. I'm with Real Brokerage and you can even, we didn't talk about this, but you now have, you now have 10 agents, right? That yeah. are, that are within your team that you're building Yeah, and you get a residual income. So it's another income stream for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, awesome. I make a, a few thousand dollars a month off of just them doing deals, you yeah. know, and them being a part of my network and Yeah, they can do the same thing. Yeah, that's really cool to add that as well. So check that out if you guys are interested in that. If you don't have a real estate license, Chris and I would both highly recommend getting that. It just opens up so many more doors. Absolutely. You know, you got to be super aware of which hat you're wearing. Am I representing the seller as an agent or am I representing myself as an investor? Investor, But as long as you disclose that and are really clear about that, you can wear both hats. Absolutely. Yeah. Maximize your return. That's it. It's all about that. So Chris, awesome. You know, last time was about a year ago. Can't wait to sit down with you as time goes on, if you're willing to continue to learn from you and see your progress. And Absolutely. thank you for being an inspiration. A lot of people really are inspired by your success and how much you've been able to do so quickly and at such a young age. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I'm, I I'm super you. proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> it's awesome. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you on the next video.